Terabytes is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing on the show is advice. No financial, tax, legal, or any other kind of advice. Nothing we say is an inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy. Anything you invest in is at your own risk. Do your own research and consult with professionals. Welcome back to Terabytes, everyone. Today, we've got a special interview for you here on this place where you can get all the Terra news, Terra interviews in these crazy times. We've got Joe Say, head of Delphi Labs and a contributor to Mars Protocol. Now, you might have heard of Mars. You might be familiar. You might not be. What is Mars? What does it do? Why is it better than the alternative? We're going to talk about those things. But first, Jose, could you introduce yourself and introduce what you guys are working on at Delphi Digital? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the head of Delphi Labs, which is one of three um, sort of business lines of, of Delphi. We started off as a, as a research firm back in 2018. That's how most people know us. That's kind of how we, how we built up our name, providing institutional grade research to, to um, funds and, and, and others in the, in the digital asset space. Um, and then we, our specialty, given kind of our backgrounds in in finance and, and uh, economics, was always on the token economic uh, research side. And so figuring out not just will this protocol be successful, will the token accrue value, um, how does it align incentives among stakeholders, all that kind of thing. And so we started working with a lot of different projects on their on their token economic models. So we've worked with some of the top projects in the space like Ave, uh, Synthetics, Compound, uh, Axie Infinity. We, we designed the token for. Um, Thorchain, so a bunch of kind of the leading protocols in the space. And that's kind of how Delphi Labs was born. And then we also have a venture fund, which we, we started in, in late 2019 with, uh, with our own capital. So it's all internal capital. And yeah, across, across Delphi, we've grown to 60 people, uh, fully, fully self-funded. And at Labs, we have around 25, 25 people. Um, and so Labs started off very much on the consulting side, sort of helping the protocols that I mentioned before, design their token economics, uh, figure out their governance models, all of that. And now we're, we're pivoting more to um, sort of incubating and, and strategically contributing to, to projects that, we, that we're excited about. And with, with sort of Mars being, being one of those where we're strategic contributors. Now, Delphi Digital has a, um, a nice tight relationship with the Terra, Terraform Labs, maybe just the Terra ecosystem is a better way to put it. H how did that come about? Because I know you guys are very much involved in the broader crypto space and you mentioned, you know, digital assets and like doing um, some of these more high high end reports. How did you end up on this path where now you're building um, Mars and a couple other things that are like, I don't want to say only for the Terra ecosystem, but they seem to be specifically sort of growing from within the Terra Luna ecosystem. Yeah, for sure. So we we actually we've always been interested in algorithmic stablecoins. Um, we we yeah we, we were interested in some of the early experiments. We participated in them, and we sort of started digging into into Terra and Luna earlier this year. And we got really excited about about what we saw. And then we we spoke to Terraform Labs. We spoke to Doe. Got really excited about Doe's vision. Um, realized that the Terra ecosystem was was like remarkably well developed uh, and and very under the radar sort of for 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 what we were seeing, and so and that it was missing some some core primitives and that uh, so we took a position earlier this year as as part of the venture fund and then we also started with labs kind of actively uh, contributing and looking for and like we, we realized there were some core primitives that were that were sort of missing like money markets um, like a, a, a sort of best in class you know AMM with some different pool models and stuff and and, and others. So we decided to organize the hackathon uh, to kind of find some contributors that we could that we could help um, shape. So we could help kind of shape the ecosystem. So yeah, we work work pretty closely with with Terraform Labs. Um, really impressed with with Doe. Like we've worked with a lot of people in the space, and he's definitely 
one of the most impressive uh, sort of leaders that, that, that we've worked with. And, um, and yeah, that's basically it. So most of the projects that we're sort of contributing to right now at labs are, are on Terra, but, uh, and we're, we're, we're really excited about Terra. We see it as one of the, one of the best opportunities in the space, but we're, we're not maxi. So, you know, we're, we're looking at, well, incubating a project on Solana as well, but yeah, most of our efforts right now are, uh, are focused on, on Terra. So Mars is a uh, a money market, and for anyone in the chat or anyone who anyone watching who doesn't understand that, that's just uh, there's borrowers on one side, there's depositors on the other. You deposit collateral to borrow against, and and so on. It's like Anchor protocol. Um, it's like Maker and Compound and Ave over on Ethereum. But uh, Anchor was a special twist on the money market. What is what what is Mars bringing that Anchor doesn't provide? And what is uh, Mars bringing that's that's unique to Mars? Absolutely, yeah. I think that's actually the best way to understand it is is in comparison sort of Anchor, and then in comparison to to sort of the traditional money markets on on Ethereum like Aave and, and Compound. I mean, at a high level, and what you said is is a really good description. Sort of Mars can can be likened to a to a bank, right? A fully on chain, non custodial, um, community governed bank where the goal is to attract deposits right on, on one side, that's kind of the supply side, and then lend out this money uh, while managing like illiquidity and, and insolvency risk, right? And, and so the, the, the community has to come together to do that. Um, and so in, in terms of Anchor, the, the way to think about the difference between Mars and Anchor is, Anchor is kind of a savings as a service protocol, whereas Mars is more like a decentralized banking protocol. So Anchor is very laser focused on offering a fixed rate uh, to UST depositors on the supply side, right? And so that, that's the goal. You, you want to have a fixed rate, a, a fixed savings rate, because that enables a bunch of applications, which we're already seeing, right, with stuff like Sabera and, and, and things like that. And it's also a much better UX for, for depositors. But in order to do that, you, you can't sort of structure it as a normal money market on the borrow side, because your deposit rate would fluctuate based on utilization, right? Because that's how it works in, in traditional money markets. It's like the, the rate that you get on your deposits depends on how many people want to borrow the asset that you're depositing, right? And so when utilization is high, which means that a lot of the pool is being borrowed, then you get paid a high rate, but when it's low, you get paid a low rate, but that wouldn't work with Anchor, right? And so what they did was cleverly um, sort of only accepted proof of stake assets as collateral for the borrowing, right? Which means that no matter what the utilization is, they can always pay a stable rate because they can just take the staking yield, right? And pay it out to depositors. So you can think of it as like a specialized Mars, right? It's a Mars that, that, which is specialized in order to provide this stable savings product. And so it only accepts collateral that has yield, um, which can be used to subsidize that, that stable savings rate, um, if that makes sense. Whereas mm -hmm. Mars is more like, um, it, it can be more like Aave and Compound, where uh, any asset can be, can, can be listed and sort of the rate that you get on an asset is based on the utilization rate of the pool. Um, does that, does that make sense in terms of the difference? Yeah, with yeah. Feel free to dig in or, or so, so for example, to... so for example, Bitcoin will, well, I mean, who knows what the future's like, but Bitcoin will in general never be an anchor asset because it's not proof of stake. It doesn't, it doesn't yield anything on its own, if I could put it that way. Right. Um, but Bitcoin could be a, an asset in Mars, you know, and that would just be the yield you got would be driven on utilization and demand for Bitcoin, for people to borrow Bitcoin, rather than some underlying like proof of stake like reward as an anchor protocol. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I see anchor is kind of like the, the risk-free rate, 
of, of crypto, right? It, it transforms like the most stable uh, sort of yield in crypto, which is the proof of stake staking yield into this like really dope product for, for depositors, which is like a stable savings account, right? So it's like the, the kind of crypto risk-free rate. And Mars is, is, is what you said. It's going to be, be able to list a, a much wider variety of assets. Um, so that will depend on, so all asset listing and, and all those decisions will, will be made via a decentralized governance process. So it will depend what, what, um, what the community wants. But some of the stuff, I mean, obviously, the uh, stuff that's already on, on Terra makes a lot of sense. Like M assets um, make make sense. Um, once IBC launches, they'll be able to onboard assets from from other chains and, and and Wormhole as well. So there'll be a lot of interesting assets there. But yeah, it will ultimately depend on on what the community community wants to see on there. I guess um, maybe where some confusion comes from my from my perspective, just from like the description you've given so far. As far, as far as Anchor works, in my mind, the reason that the, that we can sustain um, that 20% yield is because of the, the proof of stake yields coming from that underlying asset. So if you were to use something that maybe doesn't have that uh, 20% yield, like Bitcoin, or let's just say like an NFT or something that has a value that you know fluctuates with the market, how can you still um, keep that like Maybe it's not twenty percent. Maybe it's lower. But how can you still maintain that interest rate? I guess maybe I'm not articulating this well enough. No. So, so with Anchor, you you wouldn't be able to, right? And that's why Anchor uh, will, will only um, the, the collateral that it onboards has to be yield bearing, and it has to be sort of sufficiently yield bearing to 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 be able to pay that rate out to depositors. And obviously, uh, there's no proof of stake asset that's yielding twenty uh, percent, or at least none of the ones that that sort of Anchor is looking to to list but because the ltv is 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 50 or whatever it doesn't need to yield 20 right only only needs to to yield half of that or, or less depending on the ltv so anchor will never be able to to do that they'll always be the, the collateral will be sort of yield bearing collateral and i think it'll be the go-to place to to sort of get leverage on your on your yield bearing collateral whereas mars will, will be more focused on 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 other kinds of assets so non non-yield bearing assets and unlocking leverage on those well, the rates on Mars will be variable, or maybe you can choose yeah. a fixed rate over time, right? But it's like similar to the money markets, but you won't come in and get 20%, but you'll be able to deposit and earn yield on like Bitcoin or something or, or something else that doesn't qualify as an anchor asset. Right. Um, is it, is and you'll be able like, to borrow a lot more assets. Go ahead. Is it still very over leveraged? Um, like, is the LTV still very high on that? Like it is with anchor or is it lower now like if i wanted to stake like one bitcoin can you can you borrow like how much could you borrow if you staked one bitcoin for example on mars yeah that's a really good that's a really good question so i'd say and this this kind of digs into the differences between mars and, and existing money market protocols on, on ethereum like ave and, and compound which by the way we're we're huge fans of obviously worked with the ave team for ages and, and they're pioneers in the space um but i'd say the 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 big differences there's sort of three main differences First one is that Mars is more like a credit protocol. So it can offer uh, a kind of uncollateralized lending, which, which isn't currently offered by, by those protocols. Mm. I think the second is the, the token econ, and, and the third is the dynamic interest rate model, uh, which we, we, we can dive into those. I think the first one is actually the most, most important one for, for people to understand. So with a, with a traditional money market, um, it, it, it works kind of like you said, right? You deposit an asset, and then the LTV is, is also fairly low because um, when you get that asset, you can kind of take it away and do whatever with it, right? And so if you give someone 
like 2x leverage or whatever, <laughs> they'll just transfer the asset away and, and, and leave the collateral, right? And you're, you're, you're out of pocket. Um, so th obviously the reason exchanges can, cannot, can offer more leverage is because they custody the assets, right? So they can liquidate you. And so what, um, and so that, that's kind of how traditional money markets work. And what, what that means is that they, first of all, the loans are capital inefficient, which is what you pointed out, right? They have low LTVs because you can't, um, because you can take the asset away. And second of all, um, it's a relatively small market because actually the only people who can borrow from these money markets are depositors, right? You have to be a depositor in order to borrow. And so your market is, is, is much smaller because you're only looking at depositors who also want to borrow. Um, and while this is an awesome service, it, it kind of limits the addressable market. Mm -hmm. um, because if you think about it, like a bank, like you said before, is like a two-sided marketplace, right? You have supply capital on one side, demand for capital on the other. And if you think about it like Airbnb or something, it would be like if Airbnb only let hosts stay at each other's houses, right? Only if you were, only if you had like capital on the, on the marketplace, would you actually be able to, to stay at other people's houses? So, and Mars solves this, uh, or solves this is, isn't the right sort of framing, but it, it has like a, uh, a different design, which, which enables, which, which kind of facilitates as not being a problem, which is it allows governance to extend, uh, so-called like uncollateralized credit lines to smart contracts. And sounds, and this allows it to tap into a whole new source of borrowing demand, which is non-depositor borrowers, right? Basically everyone else. Um, and so while this, this kind of sounds risky, I think one way to, to think about it is similar to a bank extending credit to a business, right? The bank would look at the business's audited accounts. It would look at its credit history. It would look at its expense, uh, expansion plans, et cetera, and assess whether or not this business is, is credit worthy, right? So whether they're going to be able to pay back principal plus interest. Um, the difference with what Mars does is that we don't have to trust anyone. We don't have to interview management. Uh, all, all Mars, well, we Mars is the, the protocol. All, all Mars has to do is uh, look at the smart contract, audit the code, figure out what the code's doing, and whether whether the, the, the strategy that the code is doing is risky and, and how much credit can be extended to it, right? Um, and so what, what Mars basically does uh, yeah, it, it, it's kind of cool because you don't have to trust a particular company. You don't have to trust a, a counterparty's performance or credit rating. You only have to, you only deal with smart contract risk, right? Not counterparty performance or credit risk. So um, I think this is easier to understand with, with an example. So I, I can kind of go through it an, an example if you want. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Did, did that make sense though at, at a high level? Yeah, yeah, it sounds, I mean, to, to me and to DeFi fans, it sounds similar to Iron Bank. And I know that we'll talk about leveraged liquidity provision, which sounds similar to Alpha Amora. And uh, those were hacked for 35 million, but that doesn't mean this is going to. So anybody who's <laughs> who's got a, like a fearful reaction, plus they, they instituted things to pay it back. But it's, yeah, you're, you're lending out to smart contracts because you can, it's easier to make sure a smart contract is going to pay the loan back than to make sure like Evan is going to pay the loan back. Yeah. So like, <laughs> um, exactly. So yeah, go ahead. one example, like to kind of understand this. And so let's say a user wish on mirror, right. And they're farming the mirror TLP pool to earn the, the 50% or whatever yield that, that's on there. Right. But let, let's say they don't want to sell their mirror for UST in order to do so. They just want to stay long mirror. Right. Um, so in this case, the user could actually borrow the UST and, and effectively get 2x leverage, right? Which doubles his yield and enables him to, to stay long mirror. Um, and, and so that's similar to, to Alpha Hamara that, that you were mentioning. And what that means is that someone can basically write a smart contract that allows a user to deposit mirror and then borrow an equal amount of UST 
from Mars, right? With the balance then, so that the mirror, the, the mirror and the UST being provided as liquidity and, and staked on mirror. And so while this loan is like uncollateralized from the Mars smart contracts perspective, uh, right? Because the, the money is not sitting there like it would in a normal money market. There is actually collateral, right? It's in, it's in, the, it's in the borrowing smart contract. Like the LP shares are effectively the, the collateral. And so as long as we trust, uh, there's some logic in there that makes it liquidatable once it drops below a certain LTV. And we trust the collateral, right? We trust the volatility of, of Mirror and, we, and, and, and of the LP shares. Then uh, it, it's kind of safe to extend leverage, right? And so the, the above example is, is kind of, this example is, is for leveraged yield farming, but you can think of this applying to any sort of strategy uh, where, where there's collateral. So yield aggregation strategies like anchor farming, for example, liquidity provision like B-Luna, Luna farming, uh, and even stuff like, like margin trading. And, and this is what's really interesting about, about crypto um, is that a lot of projects and like the Iron Bank is an example of this, they focus more on recreating the traditional uncollateralized lending model, right? So like lending to DAOs uh, with, with, with no collateral and you're kind of trusting the DAO. And to me, that's kind of pointing the old world onto the new. Whereas I think the beauty of crypto is that you can just minimize trust, right? You don't need to extend credit to, to a DAO uh, for like arbitrary use case. You, you can just have, have them write up a contract with what they want to do. And then you can look at the contract, look at the collateral that's going to be in it, look at the strategy and kind of figure out whether you want to lend to that or not. And so one of the big things that we're doing is, is Delphi Labs is working on a risk framework, uh, basically putting together a risk framework to assess smart contracts. So for different kinds of smart contracts, so for example, for, for yield farming, we can look at what's the collateral, what's the volatility of, of mirror, what's the liquidity of mirror, what should the LTV be, right? And then we'll, we'll look at the code and see, okay, uh, what's the liquidation logic? And then that will help basically, and this will be like a, a guidelines that the community can use to decide what kind of contracts to, to extend credit to. Um, and so to start with, uh, like Mars will, will kind of build these, those first contracts itself. But eventually the idea is that anyone uh, any smart contract can apply for, for, for like a credit line from Mars and the, all the community has to do is, is look at what the contract's doing, uh, like assess it and figure out whether they should do it or not. So this, this very much isn't like um, Joe Schmo from the bagel shop deciding he wants to take out $10,000 against some deposit on like a centralized exchange and saying, oh, I want to like gamble with this and go long on you know, Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever that you have to have sort of like a plan in place for what your strategy is, build a smart contract, show that to the Mars community, and then they'll vote on whether that's good or not. And then I guess I'm guessing the next part of that is that uh, Mars will take some percentage of the yield on that as the token holders. Uh, Mars, Mars makes uh, that generates fees on on and this will all be voted on by the community, but but Mars is will generate fees on the borrowing. So some of the interest will, will accrue to, to, to a Mars treasury. So okay. no, no fees on the performance, uh, just fees on the, on, on the interest. But of course, um, dApps will emerge, like for example, Nexus, uh, which will build these the, like, strategies and they might want leverage from, from Mars. And in that case, they would pay a fee to Mars for the, for the borrowing. And then they might charge a fee to their users, a performance fee for the, for the strategy itself, right? And for the, for the service there. So right. um, there'll be like an eco, I think it's, especially in the short term, it's more likely that dApps uh, will use like Mars as a credit protocol rather than users directly. But right. what's cool about it is you can imagine in, in the long term, um, when, when more stuff is on chain, when like Joe Schmo's bagel shop is taking payments in, in stable coins or whatever, or there's a subscription business that's taking payments in, 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 in stable coins, all that becomes 
um, so that Mars can assess, right? As long as it, it can, it's in a smart contract and it's on chain, um, Mars will be able to assess it and figure out whether, whether it should be loaned to. And so Mars just becomes like a generalized, like smart contract uh, credit protocol. Right. So Mars could assess, uh, Mars could assess a bagel shop based on its revenue. But we're in this world, we're assuming that all or a significant portion of the bagel shop's revenue is in, for example, UST, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Mars could ex- assess the businesses, uh, the businesses, I guess, contract logic and the businesses balance and the businesses income yeah. and the businesses investments. Very Absolutely. interesting. So you, you can still even without custodying the assets, you can still liquidate it. Should it be like, you know, some mishap happens or there's a black swan event, are you still able to liquidate the the underlying assets? Yeah. So, so the smart contract, uh, the assets and it will like, as part of our auditing process, we'll, we'll see that the smart contract has some logic where below a certain LTV, the asset becomes liquidatable and Mars might go, for example, a smart contract might apply for a credit line and Mars might say, actually for that, for that asset, we want like a higher, in or lower LTV, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and kind of enforce that. And then at that point it becomes liquidatable. And so Mars isn't custodying the asset, but it's, it's auditing the code that custodies the asset and making sure that the liquidation logic is, is sound. Okay. So that liquidation logic has to be part of the, um, the smart contract. Yep. Exactly. Okay. See, yeah, I'm learning, it. I'm learning live on the show. I, I, yeah, I know people it. that watch terabytes think I know everything, but this is me learning in real time. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's it. That, that's exactly it. Uh, so, so this will allow it. for a lot of like, um, a lot of, and, and I know you said like, you know, the beauty of this crypto is not like taking the old things and kind of just like plopping them into crypto and making it sort of this clunky, uh, you know, thing that doesn't necessarily work, but this will allow for a lot of things that you see more in like traditional finance, like personal loans, business loans, potentially mortgages are, are you are you guys is that the the vision and the goal long term for this um i think this will go wherever the like the idea is that a group of contributors including us are building out this this primitive and then it will be driven wherever the the community wants to take it so and then we kind of talk about that in future but i do think as more assets come on chain the scope of what of what something like this can do expands right the, the only thing is that when you start having something like a house um, like you can have a representation of a house on chain, but the house is not actually on chain, right? Like if I need someone to move out of my house, I can't like, if I need to liquidate, you know, I actually need to send someone to the house and get whoever's in there out. Right. And and then sell it. And so it's not like it, it, it introduces trust into a, a system where we're right. with crypto. The cool thing is it can be like fully, fully trustless. So I think at that point, the community will have some hard choices, which, which, you know, makers going through right now, right. With onboarding real world collateral. Um, personally, I think, that's a while away. I think there's a lot that uh, Mars can facilitate sort of in crypto um, with, with sort of a trustless architecture before uh, sort of expanding to, to kind of the real world use cases. And I think it's, for me, it's more like the real world's going to come to crypto, you know, uh, that, that's kind of how I, how I see it. Um, and to touch on one of your previous questions, because you, you talked about like the riskiness in, in Alpha and, uh, and, and uh, Iron Bank. I think that's an, another of the differentiators, like the second one that I talked about was kind of the token econ. Um, and obviously this is, this is something that we, we spend a lot of time thinking about at, at labs, but the, another big difference with the traditional money markets is, is the token econ, right? Um, where in something like cream, which is, you know, iron bank or, um, e- even sort of compound the, the governors, so the, who hold the governance token, they can vote on proposals and risk parameters, 
but they don't actually bear the consequences of their decisions, either positive or negative, right? There's no like actually fee flow to, to comp holders. And there's also no sort of insurance being provided by, by comp, by comp holders. And that's, we kind of see that as a, as an incentive misalignment because um, it's like a credit protocol isn't an AMM, right? With an AMM, you can permissionlessly list assets and, and like people can trade them at their own peril and that's fine. But with, with the money market, uh, every asset you list, it has an effect on the entire rest of the system, right? In, in, a, in a kind of pool design like, like Mars is. And so um, it's important that when, when, uh, when governors make decisions, those decisions affect third parties, right? They affect depositors. And so it's important that they have something on the line, some skin in the game. And so the way uh, the Mars token architecture uh, is being proposed is that uh, the Martian council, so that they have to stake in order to get uh, X Mars, and which entitles them to 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 some fees based on what the community wants to wants to do, but also ensures um, like protocol risk, right? So that basically, if if governors are making bad decisions regarding regarding risk or or uh, underwriting smart contracts that end up having having flaws in them, they're the ones that suffer first rather than users suffering, right? Which is also a problem with with the traditional banking system, right? Where like um, you know, managers get away with, with massive bonuses while while depositors like lose their shares and the government has to step in or whatever. And so this skin in the game design is, is actually really key to make sure that governors, even if they themselves, because I'm not sure that we'll we'll be in a in a world where like everyone is voting on, on risk decisions. That's something that like we can talk about as well, like the future of governance and what that looks like. I think that's really important. But at least governors will be incentivized to to figure out who should be making those decisions, right? Because they, they know that they have consequences. And you know that if you're if you're a staker, uh, these decisions matter because you might lose money. And so it incentivizes you to care and, and to make the right decisions. And it also means as a user of as, as a user of, uh, of of the protocol, you kind of know that um, that the people making the decisions have have skin in the game, and they will lose before you do. Yeah, that well, that definitely makes sense. And uh, I love that we're bringing up another problem in the traditional banking system that we're trying to solve here. Uh, and that is that when something bad happens, it's more the people responsible for the bad thing that should be liable than the, all the depositors in the system, right? Absolutely, because um, they have the but, upside uh, as well, right? So, right, right, yeah. They get out with the upside all the time. And uh, so do many of their friends in high places. Uh, but exactly. the, so just before we continue to talk more about governance, I uh, just want to note to listeners, there is an article on leverage yield farming, which Jose was talking about uh, with the borrowing in order to provide mirror UST and, and all that. Um, if you want to see graphic representation of that um, and just some various examples, there's a great article that was out recently that I'll put a link to in the show notes. And secondly, if you are uh, wondering about how this economy, this token governance work, there's more graphics with the layers of who takes on the risk and who uh, who basically covers for the protocol if the protocol starts to have trouble, right? Um, in the uh, Mars red paper, which is uh, also a link in the show notes. But anyway, yeah, so we'll put those links in the show notes. If you have any more links you'd like us to put in, Jose, just, just let us know. So you built this whole governance. It's an elaborate I don't know if elaborate might give the wrong impression, like it's overly complicated, but it's a more elaborate uh, like fallback system than I've seen in a lot of these protocols, right? You have XMARs involved and uh, and a bunch of things. Um, we remember back in uh, around the COVID crash, which was what, April 2020, March 2020, um, maybe the end of March, Maker had problems, Die had trouble, and... Um, the maker governance board had to come together 
and like vote on like, hey, we're going to make a bunch more maker and we're going to auction it off. And that's how it's designed. So it did work. But, um, you know, there had to be like this event to save the protocol. Uh, walk us through what would happen in Mars if there were some kind of solvency trouble. Like what who would be the first what, what would be the first effect, second effect, the third effect and so on? Yeah. Yeah, no, I can I can definitely do that. And it's worth saying like um, Maker and Ave are kind of the, the, the pioneers with this. Obviously, Maker has that mint that you talked about, which ultimately backstops the protocol, right? If there's a solvency issue in, in DAI, governors can decide to mint Maker, auction it off to make uh, DAI users whole. And Ave has its safety module, which uh, which backstops the, the Ave protocol. And so the and, and both of those, the, the intuition is is kind of what we described before of skin in the game, right? Ultimately, uh, governors of the protocol, like token holders are the governors. And if they're making decisions, they need to bear the consequences. And so the idea is that, that you have this mint, which dilutes token holders in order to make users whole. Um, the problem with that, uh, from our perspective, is that when you have uh, an actual shortfall event, you end up having this like negative uh, reflexivity. It's a complicated word, but it just means that like uh, ne- like positive feedback loop, right? That drives, that, that makes things, everything worse. Because if you think about, for example, something like Aave. So Aave has uh, a safety module that's denominated and, and they're making uh, really good efforts to kind of diversify the, the safety module. But let's say a safety module that's fully fully in Aave and then you have a mint after that. When you have a shortfall event um, and you're auctioning off what's in the safety module, people sort of anticipate that selling pressure, right? And they start selling Aave because they realize that there's going to be this big sale by the safety module. And as that happens, the price of Aave drops. And so the safety module actually needs to sell more, right? And then, and so it ends up being this, and, and as you start going into the mint, the pressure gets even worse because they know the whole safety module is going to be solid and then you're going to have to mint. So people sell in advance of that. And then the mint has to be bigger. And so you end up with this like death spiral type situation, which, you know, markets are, are pretty safe things. We've never shortfall event in, in Aave, although there has been in, in Maker, like you mentioned, but that's kind of the risk that we were, we were trying to, that, uh, that the, the team was trying to avoid. And uh, so the idea is that in between so like there is if there's a shortfall event you have kind of two tranches the the first one is a ust tranche which will probably be held in in, in anchor or something like that if the, if the community that decides that um and then you have a second tranche which is the the mars and so the idea is that that first tranche is, is built up from um from sort of fees that the, the the protocol generates and then if there's a shortfall event that is the first one that's wiped out and only after that do you have the the the, the actual staking pool? In which case, if, if the insurance fund wasn't enough, then up to thirty percent of the amount staked would be kind of like auctioned off and sold to make users whole, and then it it stops there. So um, at that point, like let's say that there was a, a really bad shortfall event, and either neither the insurance fund nor the thirty percent of the staking pool were enough, um, then at, at that point the community would have to decide what to do. Right? Do we do we just issue like a debt token similar to what Alpha and, and Yearn have done in the past like, to users and pay them back over time? Do we do a mint? Um, but I think it's important to have that like circuit breaker because if you have an automatic mint, you can end up just destroying the project, right? Which means that no one gets paid um, because because the token just like death spirals death spirals down. And so the idea is you have first tranche that's like kind of kind of like uncorrelated to Mars, which is in UST. Then you have a second tranche which is in Mars, and then after that, it's kind of like a community decision. What, what the best thing is to do. You mentioned three advantages to Mars. You, you mentioned three things that uh, you think are like advantages Mars has over these other money markets. Uncollateralized yeah. lending. The second was the token economics. And the third was 
uh, that dynamic interest rate model, uh, which is, okay. yeah. Let's talk about that. Sure. Um, dynamic interest rate model is basically, it kind of requires understanding a bit of how the interest rate works in traditional money markets. I mean, it, it's basically in traditional money markets, you set like uh, a, an optimal utilization rate. So, so let's say I deposit, we deposit like stable coins into a pool and then other people can borrow from that pool. Um, the, the problem with 100% utilization is that I can't withdraw my stable coins, right? Um, and that doesn't mean that the, it's insolvent. It just means it's illiquid, right? Actually, the, the assets mm. are there, but they're, they're held in the form of these debts that you can't like convert to money to pay back the, the depositors, right? And so you, you want an optimal utilization that's kind of lower than 100 so that there's always enough to pay, um, to, to, to give, to satisfy user withdrawal, similar to a bank's like reserve ratio. And so with traditional money markets, they set basically an optimal utilization rate, which depending on the assets, higher or lower. And then uh, above that, the, the interest rate kind of goes up exponentially to punish uh, liquidity, to, to, to punish um, sort of that high utilization, which encourages, if interest rate goes up, it encourages more people to come in and deposit, which opens more utilization, and it encourages more people to come in and pay their debts, which, 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 which has the same effect. So that's kind of the, the design with, with, with those. And, and it ends up being like a curve that looks like, like this. The problem with that is that the, the curve is fixed, right? It's like a curve. And so it can't react to external market conditions, which is what uh, a price should do, right? For a price to be effective, it has to like be reactive to external market conditions. And so if one day you have a farm that's, that's paying 500% APR or whatever, then suddenly people are willing to, to pay like 100% for borrowing, right? And you can have situations where the pool is at 100% utilization because people are willing to, to, to pay that, 100, that whatever the interest rate is at the top um, in, order to, in order to farm and, and vice versa, right? You can have like no farms or like a, a situation where crypto gets really boring and, and interest rates are really low and suddenly they have to like change the, the curve. And so what uh, Mars is, is kind of trying to do and also Euler on Ethereum is, is doing a similar model is uh, a dynamic interest rate model, which uh, in which rather than thinking of um, just having a fixed curve, the idea is that we model utilization as kind of a parameter that can be manipulated by, by another parameter, which is interest rate. So you can think of it like temperature in a, in a physical system, right? So if you want to target, like, let's say for a room, you want to target an optimal temperature and you have a heater and a cooler, um, you, you would have like this, this similar model where the heater comes on after a certain point and it, it's kind of the same thing. So it's, and it's quite a common problem in, in sort of control theory. And so we have like a, um, one of the contributors to, to Mars is like a big brain, uh, like PhD in sort of physics and, and has done a lot of this work. and. Uh, together with the Euler people actually who are really helpful and because they've thought about this a lot, came up with this PID controller uh, where the goal is, is basically to have uh, a system that's dynamic and it targets an optimal utilization, uh, but, it, but it, rather than being on a curve, it just continuously adjusts. So if, if utilization uh, did go to 100 and the target was 80, interest rate would just keep going up uh, over time until utilization came back down versus being stuck at that place on the curve. Yeah, yeah, you said it over time there, so that that gave me a a bit more insight into into how it works. It's it's dynamic, and it, it'll just it's it'll it'll push over time until the desired effect is achieved. Is exactly is the idea? Yeah, it right? calculates yeah. it on every block. On every block, it looks mm. at sort of the 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 difference between uh, the desired point and actual value, and then uh, adjusts and and keeps doing that on a, on a block by block basis. What's what does the timeline look like for Mars? Are you guys waiting for Columbus Five? Uh, can people expect a 
a token launch on any of the launch platforms that are out now? Uh, what are the details about all that good stuff? Yeah, I think the the team is waiting for Columbus Five to to launch. Um, yeah, the the I think development's coming along. The, it's coming along well. It's about probably a uh, some like a, a month or so out from from audits and then and then launch. In terms of the token, can't uh, don't have too much information about about that right now. I think the team will release that like pretty pretty soon. Um, and then all I want to talk about, I guess, is just governance. So um just quickly maybe before before we go like there's sure. there's a lot of different um so with with mars there's a lot of different contributors so obviously ideo uh which is a, like a top design firm and and very active in crypto with ideo collab ventures uh are co-incubating this with with uh delphi labs and they're doing all the design work and and, and sort of ui work which is which is why it looks so sexy and then uh labs is, is kind of helping out with with the risk stuff and and, and economic design and then there's a team of contributors working on smart contracts and, and, and you know, se separate teams of contributors kind of doing different things. And one of the big goals uh, for, for Mars is, is to come up with sort of a, an innovative like governance structure that allows you to kind of coordinate all these contributors in, in a way that makes sense. Because for us right now, like DAOs are, I think DAOs are the most interesting thing about crypto, actually. Like the biggest use case is, is actually like coordination and, and DAOs. But right now it's like super inefficient because every single person has to vote on every single decision, right? So it's kind of like a blockchain, which every single node has to process every single transaction, right? Like an uncharted type of blockchain. And so I think uh, what's interesting is coming up with a structure where you can have these independent groups of contributors that each have um, sort of like responsibility over a certain set of, of decisions um, and where it's really easy for anyone to join that set of contributors and where they're accountable to kind of token holders ultimately, because uh, the way Mars is being built already, it's an extremely decentralized way. There's there's a, there's different contributor teams working on on different things, and so the idea is to kind of come up with a structure um, that that helps like facilitate that and also scale that to where these protocols can have sort of like you know tens and eventually hundreds of teams working on different parts of it um, and all like coordinated via this like governance structure. So we're really inspired by Yearn's governance 2.0. Uh, which was, which I think is going to be super cool and like super cool breakthrough, and and kind of we'll be we'll be looking at that to uh, for inspiration to to do this. But yeah, should should be exciting. Sounds like Mars taking a lot of the greatest, best, latest ideas from DeFi protocols all over the place and bringing them together into this. But it's not a hodgepodge, right? It's the this coherent uh, package, this this bank of the future, and uh, or I guess credit union of the future because it's owned by uh, by by the token holders, right? Um, all right, this, this bank of the future, Mars. And, uh, if you want to find out more about Mars listeners, go ahead and check out the Mars protocol, Twitter. They post weekly dev updates. I believe it's just frequent dev updates that are not dev updates, frequent product updates, uh, about design, about auditing, about devs, about, you know, latest developments and research. Uh, and it's just itemized one tweet and it's, it's really great to keep in track of the project. And they also post some, uh, some interesting marketing pushes now and then. Like, I really wish I was here in Miami. I was at the Bitcoin conference. I looked. I didn't look too hard because I had things to do, uh, you know, <laughs> like Luna meetups and Luna things. But I looked and I couldn't find one of those Mars stickers. I wish I had one slapped right here on this laptop here. Uh, but they, uh, somebody 
and the Mars Twitter was was in on this. So somebody was putting Mars stickers all around Miami and posting pictures of them. I mean, they were like wedged under statues and on window frames of of like uh, luxury good stores and all sorts of things. How did that come about? Can you tell us anything about whose idea that was and how it went over? Uh, that that was like the Mars community team. Yeah, again, that's like a, a kind of a separate group of contributors. Um, mm -hmm. Like I think you know some 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 of the people that that. That are, that are in that but uh yeah it's like that so the ideas there are really cool and i think there, there's going to be some more like uh reveals uh soon by, by by that team more reveals soon all right keep your eye on the twitter for not just dev updates and tokenomics and token ideas uh token information that's coming soon but also maybe you'll get a chance to get into something exclusive or uh, get some secret info by doing one of these contests or getting lucky and finding something in your city. Who knows? I don't know what stuff they're pulling off, but you can find out at the Mars Protocol Twitter. Thanks, Jose, for coming on so much. Uh, thanks, Evan, for supplying so many great questions. And uh, it's it's been great to have all you listeners here on Terabytes, and we'll see you again soon. <laughs>